Hey, thanks for joining us for this Christmas series. My name is Josh and I'm so glad that you've connected with us. We'd love to connect further and I'd ask you to go to branchlife.church to fill out your connection card before you log off. I hope that this conversation today will encourage you during this season of your life. Thanks again for joining us. I'll see you after the talk. Well, welcome to Branch Life Church. If this is your first time here, we want to give you a special welcome. We're so excited you're here. And guess what, folks? It is 2023. And there's no going back. It's not going to be 2022 ever again. It is now 2023. Ready for it or not, it's here at least for 365 more days. And I, and I know the season of the new year is a unique one. It's an opportunity that we get to look back and we get to reflect on the past year. And then we also sometimes will make plans and resolutions and stuff looking forward into the next year. And, and that practice, that opportunity comes with different emotions. It can be a roller coaster. There's some people that look back in the past year and they go, oh man, that was awesome. I want to go back there. I wish I could go back there again. I wish I could do it. And then there's other people that are like, praise the Lord, 2022 is over. I never want to go back to that season of my life ever again. And there's these mixed emotions about it as we look back and, and we reflect on it. Now, personally, I'm a reminiscer. All right? I'm an old soul. I would love to just sit on a porch with my hound dog and like think about the good old days, right, and reminisce and think about what I did right, what I did wrong, the experiences that I had. And then I love to sit down and plan about the future, set goals for the new years. Guess what? I've never executed any of the plans that I've made. I've never met any of the goals I've set in, in the new years. But over and over again, I like to do it. When, when I sit there and I think, I end up going back, maybe not just one year, maybe two years, maybe three years, and I ultimately end up like a good fisherman thinking about the glory days of the fish. You know, back in the day, I think of a memory, I think, oh, it's so good, I want to go back to my prime, right, and really, it was all right, but in my head, every time I tell it, it gets a little bigger, and gets a little bigger, and gets a little bigger, and I've told people about my prime a little bit. And, and as I've been sitting through a season, my friend sent me a picture of 2003. This is when I would have considered my, my uh, prime and physical kids my senior year of high school. And I've told these people, and it's hard to believe right now because I don't have much of it left. But I had some gorgeous hair. And so for your viewing pleasure today, I have brought a picture of Alex 2023. <laughs> All right. Dude, that's, that's all natural, baby. All right? That's not a wig. That's not any. I mean, I, I picked it out a little bit. But that, that was, that's best, year four, I mean, best hair four years in a row in high school. All right? That hair, no baseball helmet could contain. I have been told when I ran around the bases, that helmet fell off so quick, they said that time stopped. And the, the flowing Samson hair behind him, the birds were singing, baby stopped crying. Everything slowed down as I ran, as it flowed right behind me. And in that moment, in that season of life, man, I, I felt good. I didn't think about the future in death. I didn't think about the future in health. Right? In, in that moment, I was good. And now let's, look, let's be honest. No matter how bad my wife would like that hair to come back, it's gone, folks. 
they're no longer like admiring it. The, the, the AV team's trying to figure out how to make my head not shine on the live stream. <laughs> right? I don't run that much. In fact, I want to tell you guys this right now. If I'm running, there's two things you need to do. Either shoot the thing that's chasing me or shoot me because one of us is stopping. I don't do it anymore. And then these things. Man, my eyes have went in the past couple of years. And as we look back, it's good to think and remember those times. But it's also good to move forward. In that season, right after these pictures, about a year later, I was in a bad car accident, right? In the peak, I never thought about what was life was different. I didn't even have a thought in my head about it that life could change. And I got in a car accident, and I came about this close to not making it. I took my face, and I put, <laughs> I put it through the steering wheel and out the window. The only reason I stayed in is because the engine came through and broke my knee to trap me in the car. The funny part is I knocked out all my teeth, and which my parents had paid 10 years of braces for. And in a moment, I took care of that all. Right? And in that moment of life, when I was in a wheelchair for six months, I couldn't walk because of my immobilizer and stuff like that, a song came out on the radio by Tim McGraw. It's called Live Like You Were Dying. It was about his father, Tug McGraw, the World Series pitcher. And he got diagnosed with terminal cancer. And... Tim and him had conversations about what's changed, what's different. And some of the lyrics are like, you know, I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing, I rode a bull for 2.7 seconds, same full man chew or something like that. I loved deeper, I laughed harder. I hope you get a chance to live like you were dying. And in the perspective of what Tim McGraw was singing about his father is that once he realized that the end was in sight, once he saw that, the value of the time that he had became more precious. He didn't waste as much time. He did the things that he wanted to do. He did what was important to him. He, he redeemed the time that was before him. And in the same way, as we go into the new years, we get a small opportunity of that. One of the sermons that I listened to in preparation for this, the guy titled it actually Death Rehearsal. I know, that's like a solver thing. But the great thing about a rehearsal, it's not the real deal. And every time the calendar turns and we get a new year, we get an opportunity to reflect back on the days that are really no longer here. My hair's not coming back. Oh, that's not coming back. That's, for all purposes, that's dead. But now, in this new year, the new season that we're going forward, I get to appreciate what was important and prioritize it in our, my life. And today, we're going to look at Psalms 90. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Psalms 90. Psalms 90 is a really a cool psalms. It's the oldest psalms in the entire Bible. It's labeled the prayer of Moses. I'll give you one shot on guessing who wrote it. Moses. All right, and that's the Moses you're thinking. That's Moses from all the, the Sunday school stories and everything like that. So Moses, we have to put a little context of when he said this prayer, but his life if you study Moses, there's all kinds of ups and downs, ups and downs. This is Moses, the one that was born in actual genocide. In Egypt, where he was born, the Pharaoh was killing all the male children at that time. And in God's providence, he took Moses and had his mother place him in a basket, set him in a river, and sent him down to Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter found him, took him in the Pharaoh's household, and actually raised him. When he became older, he had an anger problem. 
He saw an Egyptian beaten up an Israelite, so he went and killed him. Then he fled to the desert, where he became a shepherd. In the desert, he was called by God through a burning bush, which God spoke to him, to go back to Egypt, the biggest power in the land, and demand that Pharaoh let his people go. And in that moment, Pharaoh went back, and he saw God provide and take his people out, out of captivity. You think of the ten plagues. Ending in the Passover, where the firstborn of every household in Egypt died and lets you sacrifice the lamb and put the blood on your doorpost. More death. He then was sent into the desert with, uh, with Israel, and they fled, and they came to the first pit stop, and Israel was all upset. The Red Sea. Egyptians came out after him, and they were all complaining to Moses and stuff, and he saw God provide again. He saw God part the Red Sea to free Israel again. And then destroy the Egyptians. Then he wandered in the desert where he heard complaint after complaint after complaint after complaint from Israel. And God provided their way to get through. And then he came all the way to the promised land. Watching God provide the whole time. And then when he gets to the foot of the promised land. He decides to trust sinful people over righteous holy God. And for that God punishes them. He says, you'll never step foot in this promised land now. He sends the whole, gen the whole nation of Israel back into the de desert for a whole generation to die before allowing the nation of Israel to come in to the promised land. So in the midst of this wandering in the desert, that every time that he picked up his tents and moved, they left a grave site, a graveyard. And then every time he moved again, he left another one. And another one. His days were tough. We're in the desert. This isn't like sandals at the beach or anything like that. This is hard, tough times. And in the midst of that is when Moses writes this psalms. So let's pray real quick. And then we'll begin reading in verse 1. Lord, we're just so thankful for this opportunity to come and to look in your word. To observe what Moses had seen over his life. And take those observations and apply them to our own life. In this new year, Lord, I ask that you speak to people today, that you speak to us as we study your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So in verse 1, as, as Moses writes this in the midst of what he's going through, it says, The Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were, were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are. He's saying, God, you've always been our God. No matter in the good times or the bad times, God, you've always been our dwelling, always been our safe place. And you know what? It's not just in our generations. It's throughout everlasting. It was before the mountains were created, the world was created, you were still God, and you're still going to be God. It continues on. You return man to dusk and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in the sight of your sight are but as a yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. He's saying, you have control over mankind. Moses has seen this. Israel has seen this. At any moment, God could call someone back. He could return man to dust. And he's saying, God, you have that power. And he's saying the time that that we experience, you don't experience the same. A thousand years of our life is just like a moment to you. And you're everlasting to everlasting. 
It continues on. You sweep them away with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Here he takes stock of what man is and his lifespan. It's here for a second and gone tomorrow. He uses this example of the, the grass in the desert. You've got to imagine where he is. In the desert, these uh, vegetation, they can go through their whole life cycle in one day. Come up, sprout, bloom, die, re replant themselves or whatever it is. One day. So in the morning, they get growing, they get growth, and they, they're looking real nice, green and luscious. And then by the evening, it's gone. And he's saying the same thing with mankind. We're here real quick, and then we're gone. Verse 7, for we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Moses, of all people who dealt with the sin of Israel, dealt with his own sin, could see the anger and the wrath of God against sin. I mean, God said, if you didn't have faith enough for me to take you into the promised land, now you have to go into the desert and die. That's hard. Right? And, and he's, he's saying that, that you, all our sins, everything we do, God sees. There's no hiding it. Everything, in the secret places or in the open, God sees it. And then it goes on, verse 9. For all our days pass under your wrath. Oh, oh, verse 10. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. You know what the average lifespan of an American is? 76.2 years. Between 70 and between 80. America's ranked about 46th in the world in average lifespan. And what he's saying is, we are only get a certain amount of time. At best, at best, right now, we get to like 100 years old. And that's all we get. We don't get to continue on like God did for everlasting to everlasting. Our time on earth is limited. Some get more, some get less. And he's saying that, that that's all we get. And then in verse 11, who considers the power of your anger? And your wrath according to the fear of you. I saw an uh, Instagram video or something like that the other day. And it was this guy crushing walnuts. He was crushing walnuts. And here he's been crushing walnuts for like 20 years or 30 years. With a mallet his friend gave him. Turned out the mallet, mallet was some like Soviet hand grenade that looks like a mallet. And for 30 years, he's been taking this thing and smashing walnuts with it. And he never understood the power that he was literally playing with dynamite. And what he's saying here, and God's saying here, is who considers your power? Who considers your anger and your wrath? We sometimes go around and we act as if God doesn't really care about whether we sin or not. He doesn't really care about how we live our lives. And here he's saying God cares very much. A great deal. And who really considers his wrath? And then it comes to the turning point of the whole text. A big word. So. And this is where it starts. 
the observations of what, what Moses says, since all these things beforehand are true, this is what I ask God for now. It says in verse 12, so, teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He says, help me have in mind how long I'm going to live. How, help me have in mind that there is an end at some point. And he says, once you do that, it will help you gain a heart of wisdom. We all want wisdom, right? None of us want to be a fool. We want to make wise choices. We want to make wise choices with our financial decisions. We want to make wise choices with our health. We want to make wise choices with our spouses. We want to make wise choices with our kids, right? We all want to make smart decisions. And what he's saying for as we go into the new year, we can think about this. We want to make wise decisions. And one of the first things to start with is do we number our days? Do we understand that it's not unlimited? Do we understand that they're valuable and we need to appreciate them? Look at verse 5 and 6 again. Recognize that they have come to an end and we do not know when. For any second, and we have experienced that more than most here at Branch Life right now. With the passing of loved ones unexpectedly. With the passings of loved ones expectedly. But it's the fact that life is so precious and so finite that at any moment we are not promised tomorrow. Verse 10, you might get 70 or 80 years. Like I said, we get at max that amount of years. And the thought here is to begin with wisdom is Hebrews 9.27. For as it is given unto every man once to die and then judgment. You want to have wise decisions going to the future in 2023? Don't be ignorant to the fact that at one day it is going to end. One day it is going to come to the end and you will have to stand in judgment. Once to die and then judgment. Do you have more redeemed days or wasted days? Look what it says in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. This is Paul writing. Look carefully then how you walk. All right, first part. It's not a passive thing when we come to our days looking forward. The days coming in New Year, they are evil. It says down on the road here, it's evil. You need to be carefully, actively, proactively looking at your time and what the value of it is. And to walk as wise, as wise making the best of the use of the time. Because the days are the evil. Making the best use of the time, another word to use in the King James is redeeming. It's purchasing back. It's actively going into the day, actively making the best of op every opportunity to serve God in that, to redeem that day. We have a culture that is so easily able to waste a day. I am amazed how often I just waste hours and hours of my life from videos that Jeff Murphy sends me on Instagram. It's just, oh, there's another. And then I get hooked into it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. All of a sudden, my kids are running around playing, and I'm here watching, like, ducks fall in a pond or something. I don't know. Like, it's just silly. And we have so much that we can just waste our time doing. And what he's saying here is redeem it. And therefore, do not be foolish, but, uh, but understand what is the will of God. We need to be actively redeeming our time, actively pursuing what God has called us to do. It continues on the next point. That Moses makes. Return, O Lord, how long? 
Have pity on your servants. Moses cries out and knows that he needs to be in relationship with God. The next question we want to ask ourselves going in the new year is examining our relationship with God. Are we in right relationship with God? Do you know God at all? See, see, Moses realized in his life, going through the desert and all the hardships he's done, it's tough. And he knew, like, if he was to do what God has called him to do, that he was going to need God to be able to get it done. And it's the same thing with us. There's two senses. There's a spiritual sense where in Ephesians it says that we are spiritually dead. We are made alive in Christ. The need for God to even become spiritually alive is there. Then there's a worldly sense too that anything that you do in John 15:5, apart from Christ we can do nothing. It's a realization that we need God to do what God has called us to do in the future. And so we need to take a look at our lives. Are we in right relationship with God? Are we abiding in God? Are we redeeming those times? And then the next verse. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that may, we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Where do you find your purpose, your meaning, your fulfillment, and your value? This is, I'm guilty of it. A ton of people are guilty of it. We try to find our satisfaction, our fulfillment, our purpose, our mission, what we are called to do that completes us in everything except for God sometimes. And the problem is there's nothing in this world that can actually satisfy us. We were created by God to be satisfied in God. And we try to satisfy in all kinds of different ways, right? Some of us get married, and we try to find our satisfaction in our spouse. And I said this to my wife, and she said the biggest amen ever, right? I said, you were never designed to fully satisfy me. And she said, amen, right? But too often, as a spouse, we try to project that onto our others, our, the other part and try to find satisfaction. Maybe it's like we're looking for a relationship, and that relationship's going to bring me my completion. Maybe it's that job I'm pursuing. If I can have a better job, a better career, that, that will bring me my satisfaction. Maybe it's in our kids. We do it to our kids all the time. Maybe if they're the best baseball player in the world and they have luscious hair like I did and could run around the bases so much faster, maybe that will bring me satisfaction. Maybe it's your status. It can be a multiple of things. And what we're saying here is that God is the only one that can satisfy us. John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes in me will not thirst. The only thing that can truly satisfy us is God and his love. If you're looking at your value in life, your purpose in life, it is all found in God. And as that verse says, satisfy us all our days. These other things can satisfy us for a little bit. But Moses here realizes to be satisfied and wherever he's at, he needs to find his satisfaction in God. Now, this verse is the verse that I was like, whoa. 
there's words that I don't know belong in this verse, like to describe it, but we'll read it. Make us glad for as many days as you have inflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. That word inflicted, I don't know if that stood out to you guys or not, but it stood out to me. My days are inflicted? I've never used that word in the sense of a good thing. Like, you know, like, we're in young adults, with, uh, young families with kids. Our families are at some point half always inflicted with some kind of sickness going around the house. There's some kind of fever. There's some kind of stomach bug. There's some kind of thing. we just constantly inflicted with things. You think about 2020. I don't even know how long it's been or how long has COVID been. The world has been inflicted with COVID. We inflict, we've been inflicted with sickness. We've been inflicted with all kinds of things. And here he says, make us glad for as many days as you have inflicted us. What he's saying here, and it's the coolest thing as a believer, is that this right now, this world that is broken, right, that we have seen evil, is just temporary. God has promised that there is one day when you are right with God, that there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurt, no more tears. And that's an awesome promise to hold on to from God. That right now, although we are in a time where we see cancer, we see abuse, we see COVID, we see racism, we see all kinds of hurt, starvation, death. That through Christ, it is only temporary. And he says that we can, have, we can make us glad for as many days as we've seen evil. And you're saying, Alex, man... You're talking about being satisfied in the Lord's love. That doesn't make me feel like God loves me. When I see all the hurt in the world, when I see death, when I see kids suffering, when I see hungry, when I see this racism, when I see all this stuff, I talk to a nurse. I won't get into the story how I got in the hospital, but I was in the hospital, right? And this nurse, I said, do you believe in God? She says, I don't believe in God because I see too much hurt in children. I was like, well, that hurt, like... I feel you. There's nothing that hurts me more than I see my kids hurt. And God is the same way. He is not up there celebrating the fact that children are being hurt. He's not up there celebrating the fact that cancer is going on. He's not up there celebrating the fact that, that the world is broken. He's up there. Let me get to my right. There's no doubt that it's broken. And he sees it, and he doesn't like it. He promises, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That anger that you feel towards sin, that anger you feel towards someone taking advantage of a child, that anger, anger, anger that you feel when your loved one gets sick with a disease, God feels that anger too. We just spoke before in here about the wrath of God. The anger that builds up and builds up. Just think about the one that you love the most. And if there was something that kept you between them and you, what you would do to that thing in the middle. There would be nothing that would stop me from getting it to my children. No law, no rights, no nothing. There would be nothing that I would... I would I would destroy whatever stood in between me and my child. 
And God is the same way with us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. But that wrath and that anger that he feels towards the sin, which is what breaks us in our relationship, that anger and that wrath that is real. And he promises one day he's taking it out. He's going to get rid of what separates him from his children. And either we can pay that cost as sinners, or we can accept what Christ did on the cross for us. He made a way, he poured out his wrath, the anger that was to be on us, on his son, Jesus Christ. He sent the one thing that truly pleased him the most, his son, for you and you and you and you and your friend down the street and the friend over there and the friend in Pottstown, then your enemy in Pottstown and people in Iraq, people in Russia, everywhere. He made it possible to get back in right relationship with us, with God, to get his children back. And that's what we think about today as we take communion in a little bit. The Bible said, like I said, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God offers the free gift of salvation to each and every one of us. If we just put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and as we remember communion here in a little bit, we think about what that really means. We think about the wrath that had to be poured out upon Jesus Christ to satisfy the demands of the law. We think about the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed to redeem us and get us back in relationship with him. And we think about his body broken on the cross. And this is the coolest part about being glad in these days. Not only do we find our satisfaction in the love that Jesus has for us, that God redeemed us, but then we are glad for our days because he's made us to carry that message. This is my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Ephesians um, 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no, may, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Catch this here. When you become a believer in Christ, not only are you saved, you are now made into a new creation. In this world, you are given a mission. You are given a job. And here is what he's saying. Through the blood of Christ, you are created. You're a new workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good, good, good works, apparently. Right? That God has prepared beforehand for you to step into. You know what the good work is? Bringing God into whatever situation you're in. Bringing God's message of salvation and hope and love into whatever situation you're in. It doesn't matter if you're at work, at school, at home, on vacation, whatever it is. You are now afflicted with these days. It is only temporary we're here. We're here for a short time, but opportunities that come before us, we are to redeem them. And thinking ahead to the new year, this is your mission, Branch Life. This is your mission, church, is to take the days that are in front of you and redeem them and be purpose-driven and sharing the hope and love that is found in Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you've decided to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe today is the day is the first time that, that you heard the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins to redeem you, to bring you back into relationship with God. 
we would love to connect with you on that green card. You can just mark, I have trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, it's, it's, it's not a magical prayer. It's not anything special. It's the, the fact that you recognize that you're a sinner. To recognize that you needed God to die on the cross for your sins. It's as simple as saying, I believe in Jesus. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. And now as we continue to move forward in this, we are Christ's ambassadors. That good news, that good news of hope that we get to continue to carry on throughout the day, that is what you're charged with. And as we start with communion, we think about what Christ has done. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, it talks about this. It says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he, when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, this is my body, which is for you. And it continues all the way down here, and there's a verse here, verse 27. It's, uh, verse 26, 27 through 20, say, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And here's a warning. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in any unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Before we partake in communion, it's a time of reflection. A time of a new year that we look back over our lives and discern the good and the bad. And what God calls us to do before we partake is to examine if there's any sin inside of us that is unrepentant. Any sin inside of us that we need to give to God. Any grudges that we're holding on. Anything that we're holding back from Him. And we need to examine it before we partake and remember the, such the precious gift of salvation. The, God says, this is my body in which is for you. Do this and remember me. When we eat the bread, remember the fact that God sent Jesus to be broken on the cross in our place. And we want to take that seriously and remember the great value in that. And then it will go on to say, this is my cup, my new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Bible says there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. No remission of sin. But Jesus shed his blood for you. He paid the price for everything we've ever done wrong on that cross. To the fact that through his blood, we were made right with God. So as they sing this song for a little bit, I want you to take time. Reflect on this past year. Reflect on your heart. Reflect on everything that's going on inside you. Reflect on your relationship with God and how we act with our days. I ask that you just examine inside of you. And at any point when you're ready, you can take the body, the bread, and you can take the cup in remembrance of him and what he's done.
for a minute and just reflect. Lord, the cost of which it took to redeem us is great. You sent your only beloved son in our place to pay for the price that we could never pray for, to redeem us. Lord, as we go into this new year, I ask that we, we look at it with a sense of urgency, a sense of value, the fact that, that tomorrow is not guaranteed, Lord, and that we need to redeem the time that we have. Lord, we, I ask that you examine our relationship with you, that we, we strive to know you better and abide in you more. Lord, I ask that you, we find our satisfaction wholly and solely in you, not anything else. And Lord, as many days that we go through, as many days as we're in this broken world, I ask that we shine the light of you, that we bring the hope and the love of Jesus Christ into every situation we go. And this I pray in your name. So the last two verses of Psalms 90 is my prayer for Branch Life. The last two verses is the prayer for my family, my friends, and it's verses 16 and 17. It says, he's talking about the Lord. Let your work be shown to your servants. God, let's see it move. Let's see your work happening. And your glorious power to their children. Can I ask for that? I want to see God's glory be shown to my kids. And the next generation. And the next generation of branch lifers. I want to see the power of God move. I want to see things happening. In verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the works of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the works of our hands. I pray that God shows you his glory throughout this year. And I ask that God establishes your work for him in the year to come. And that this area, this world be changed. You're dismissed. Hey, I hope that that was an encouragement to you. And again, I'm glad that you've joined us today. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, we hope that this has been an encouragement to you. And if you heard something that lifted your spirits, hey, take a moment to share it with your friends online. Again, we'd love to hear from you. So go to branchlife.church and fill out that connection card. Let us know that you worshiped with us and let us know how we can pray for you. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. 
And until then, God bless and have a great rest of your week.